Thank you, Pastor Chris. What a great reminder of his word in Psalms 119 and our responsibility to his word and know that we are sinners saved by God's grace. Have you ever sought fulfillment in life from the things God has given rather than from God? Solomon had a great start, but then lost his first love and turned to things to find fulfillment, but found nothing. He found nothing but emptiness. So this morning, I want to begin with today with a question. When you stop and think about your life, what is the one thing that you think if you had or had more of would make your life better? A lot of people say that. I think there are a lot of people who know the answer for them personally in their head. And I don't think they have to think about it too long. I overheard here from the balcony. First thing was money. Isn't that interesting? I thought this was kind of a, an interesting story as we dive into uh, First Kings. But most people will say money. Sometimes people will say time or health. A lot of times people will say good food, desserts, cookies, ice cream, all those good things. Or, or how about this, better relationships. But when you stop and think about it, all of these responses can be boiled down to, I think the same thing, which is less stress, which was also a response. If we had more money, we wouldn't have to stress out about the bills. I hear that quite often. If we had more time, we would not have to stress out about Fitting everything in the day. If we had better relationships, we would not have to stress over those awkward, weird encounters when you see them at Walmart or at a restaurant. If we had better health, we would not have to stress over the future and what that held. But really, what we are saying when we want less stress or any of these things, so our lives will be less stressful, so that we want, here's what we want, more contentment. I think many of us in this room would say, yes, we want more contentment. And we think those things will help us to be what? More content. More people would usually say more of Jesus. The easy and obvious Sunday school answer. But to really think about the tangible things that much of society and in reality, much of Christianity believes will make our life better, less stressful, and more content. We sing songs like, my Jesus, and you know, oh, how I love Jesus, or we exalt thee, and all these things that we make him a part of our life, but do we really understand to that depth of what that relationship looks like? Now, I grant, grant that many of these things will make our life easier, but not necessarily better. Now, desserts could make our life a little bit better, right? But seriously, easier is not always better, and sometimes easier can lead us on a path toward a worthless and meaningless Life rather than a meaningful life that all of us long for. So, where's your hope for meaning and contentment? Where's your hope for a better life? Do you think it is one of these things listed that will give you that elusive contentment or that meaning? It is then today I want to dash your hopes because the hope you have is only an illusion, it will never provide. What we are looking for. But while I want to dash your hopes, 
that are an illusion, I want to give you hope. A hope that is sure. A hope to truly live by and flourish in. A hope that can help us to enjoy what? The blessings of time and of health and of money and more importantly and of relationships without leading many of us astray. And today we're going to be examining the life of a man who had it all and yet had nothing. You know, he was King David's son, Solomon. We know the Bible says that King David was what? A man after God's own heart. Wouldn't it be known to have a reputation like that? Wow, she's a man, or she's a woman. Hold on a minute here. She's a woman after God's own heart, or he's a man after God's own heart, right? I mean, isn't that our true desire? So today, we look at the life of Solomon. So if you have your Bibles, turn, if you would, please, to 1 Kings chapter 9. 1 Kings chapter 9, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 9. And as you turn there, we're in a series that we have called God's Story Through God's People. And as we continue on that series, it is my hope that you will see how God has used His people, real people, with their flaws and their problems, and give you hope and encouragement that God can use you in midst of whatever you are going through. And on top of that, it is my hope that this series gives you an overview of much of the Old Testament as well. So... Let's see what we can find out about Solomon and how he can avoid getting everything or how we can avoid getting everything we want yet have nothing of value. Verse 1 in 1 Kings chapter 9. As soon as Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all of Solomon's desired to build, the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your plea. Which you have made before me, I have consecrated this house that you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. And as for you, if you will walk before me as David, your father, walked with integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you and keeping my statutes and my rules, then I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever as I promised David, your father, saying, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Verse 6 It says, but if you turn aside from following me, you are your children and do not keep my commandments and my statues that I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them. Then I will watch this. Then I will cut off Israel from the land that I have given them and the house that I have consecrated for my name. I will cast out of my sight and Israel will become a proverb and a byword among all peoples. This house will become a heap of ruins. Everyone passing by it will be astonished and will hiss. And they will say, why has the Lord done this to this land and to this house? Then they will say, because they abandoned the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this disaster on them. Keep that up there just for a minute. Verse 9, you'll notice there it says, Because they abandoned the Lord there, they made it possessive, personal, God, which is large G, not a small G, brought their fathers out of the land of 
land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshipped them, small g, which meant they were now looking at false idols. They were looking at bowing down at materialism, at things that weren't focused on God. And so today as we talk about, you know, what does it look like in Solomon's life and how can this truly uh, be a man who was wealthy, a man who is known for his wisdom, and yet turns out in some respects to be a worthless life. You know, isn't it amazing? God will show his life, his grace, and his provision. You heard me share stories about a couple, a couple couples last week that gave sacrificially, and God blessed them. What that was, that was obedience. They allowed the Holy Spirit to move within them. They gave, and God blessed. That was commendable. And I commend you for your obedience and love to the Father. Many of us will say, yes, we want to put all of our wealth, everything of material, we want to put it here. This becomes our focus. Yet God, we lose our focus on truly who he is. Here in the New Testament, we realize that Jesus Christ is the one we live our life for. And we are sold out to living for all together. So as we continue, I'd like to pray this morning that God would add a blessing to his word. Father, we thank you that today, as we look in the life of Solomon, and as we go through this series, that many of us have our own God stories. But Lord, we know that you showed up, that you were relevant and real. And so, Father, today I pray that as we proclaim the truths of the word, that, Father, you'll hide me behind the cross. Help me be just a a mouthpiece and a mic for what you need to be said today. Father, we stand in truth. We stand in light. Because we know that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And Father, we thank you for your word today and for this godly man who followed after the footsteps of his father. Yet, Lord, we also saw that sexual sin came in and he viewed his life as worthless. So, Father, help us to all understand the redemptive grace of Jesus Christ. And there's hope for each and every one of us. Thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I want to start out and look at Solomon by saying Solomon had a great beginning. Solomon had a great beginning. In 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, it says, And it came to pass when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all Solomon's desire, which he wanted to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he had appeared to him at Gimeon. So God used him to build the temple and the royal palace. He was born into a great family, obviously with King David as his father, and had achieved a lot of accomplishments. And we see through scripture that if you've never looked into the life of Solomon, you'll start to see that God really used this man who was sold out earlier as he became king. The Lord asked him to ask for anything he wanted, and Solomon asked for wisdom. Now, isn't that interesting? Many of us would say things like this. Oh, God, just bless my business. Oh, God, just give me a $10 an hour raise. And once I get that $10 an hour raise, I'll be good. Will you be? That's the question. So we we point our focus into so many material things. And reality is, he says, if you're faithful with little, I'll be faithful to bless you with much. We're to be good stewards of whatever God gives us. But watch, Solomon didn't ask for any of these things. But you could say, oh, come on, preacher. He was a wealthy man. Why would the rich ever ask for anything? He asked for wisdom. 
Because remember, where your face is turned is where your focus goes. And it's so easy for us to do just that. Because he didn't ask for wealth or the death of his enemies or long life, God gave him wisdom and bestowed on him great wealth and long life. Solomon had it all going for him. And at the beginning, and he was focused on the Lord in the beginning. Not only that, but Solomon had a bright future. Solomon had a very bright future. He did not only start with wisdom and wealth, but God gave him a great promise as well. You know, many of you are blessed. I I would say that if I look across this room, I believe all of us are blessed. I think we've become somewhat content with some things, and some of us are not content, but I believe that we're blessed. And often we we don't realize just how blessed we truly are. And I like where it says here back in verse 4 and 5, it says, Now if you will walk before me as your father David walked, in integrity of heart and uprightness, to do according to all that I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, as I promised David your father, saying, You shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. See, Solomon, he had a great start and a bright future. Wealth. And wisdom. He had it all going for him. And in fact, he sought to enjoy all the wealth and power that was given to him. You know, I know that I I reference a lot of scripture, but the reason for that is because I want you to see how, you know, important this is and how God played all of this out. And it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 4 through 10, and this is how he used his wealth and his power. It says, I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings and of the provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men and musical instruments of all kinds. So I became became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, also, my wisdom remained with me. Also, my wisdom stayed with me. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me. But it says, whatever my eyes desired, thank you, sir. I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my reward from all my labor. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work. And this was the reward from all my labor. Did you hear what I just said? My, 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 my. Solomon sought to use his wealth and wisdom to find meaning and pursue things that would bring meaning to life. He had more wealth. You heard me say this. I'm just driving it home today. He had more wealth than anyone. He had more relationships than anyone. He lived a long, fulfilling life. Life with all the pleasures and activities that came along with wealth. He was healthy. He was wealthy. 
He did not suffer from the stresses of how he would pay his bills. He had time for relationships. He had it all, so you would think. But when we look at the next verse in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, exactly. Amen from the back. We see that Solomon lived a meaningless life. We see that Solomon lived a meaningless life. He says after listing all the things he did and enjoyed, that here in verse 11 of chapter 2, Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Meaningless. Worthlessness. Now I'm not saying that Solomon's life was so bad and that he never experienced times of happiness or value. God used him to relate to us from Proverbs and the great words of wisdom. The experiences of love and the song of Solomon. I'm saying that while he experienced moments of happiness and use overall, it was all worthless and meaningless to him as it left him. Ultimately empty as he himself admits. It's amazing when I looked at this scripture verse, he said, I had everything. Many of you could say, but all I wanted, listen, I have spent $9,000 and it's going to be that one winning lottery ticket that's going to change my life. Have you ever seen the curse of the lottery? One winner I watched, I think it was on TLC or something, I watched and watched and watched every single series. You know why? Because I wanted to see what did, what, how, and how did this change people? And I saw some really devout, dedicated Christian people. I remember this one. They said, you know, we lived in this small house. It was down in West Virginia. They won the lottery and uh, millions. And I wasn't, it wasn't like two million. It was like 19 or 20 million dollars. And so they said, the first thing we're going to do is give to the church. Do you know how many times I've heard, Pastor, do you know the lottery's really high? And uh, I just want to say to you, that if I win the lottery, I'm going to give 10%. The question is, have you been giving 10% on the salary you got right now? Isn't it, isn't it funny how we'll, we'll put our focus on material things? And we think it will change who we are, our life, our convictions. And in reality, it doesn't. God wants you to be faithful with those little things. And here's what he said. I had everything going for me. Here's a guy. Think about it. Who, who was anointed. Who had an amazing father. Who had amazing uh, heritage. And yet. It doesn't take us long. To mess up our own lives. I've been there. I've been in the same situation. We're all challenged. Constantly. And God gives us those challenges, but he wants to see how faithful we'll be to him and the decisions that we'll make for him. Each of us that are sitting here today, no matter what we do, will probably experience moments of happiness. God's common grace blesses all of his creation in one way or another. 
And I'm certain that the money and health made things easier for Solomon, but they never really provided what he was looking for. When that family that won the lottery, and it still sticks with me, yeah, they paid off the church, then the church doors closed. Yeah, I, I watched that. That, well, that was profound. They, he and his wife divorced. Their kids got money. They all divorced. It just ended up becoming a curse. The church, I want you to know something. If you can't be content with what little bit God has given to you, will you ever be content with the greater things? Listen, there was nothing greater than, I mean, having church service. I remembered when Debbie and Kevin walked up the driveway there at 2510 4th Street and our first service, and I greeted them right there by the deck at Leslie's house. That's Leslie and Debbie right here. And... Uh, how great that was when we walked up there and I said, all right, it's time to worship. We passed out everybody our pieces of paper and we walked over to, you're looking at me like a, ready? Our little tape player with a CD in it and went click. For some reason, you had to wait till it went, you know what that's like, right? Now you could just hit your phone and go click and everything's playing. So we said, you know, here I am to worship. And we're just worshiping. And how I remembered how just vividly, I mean, there was harmony in the background as a neighbor ripped open that lawnmower and started mowing his lawn. That was great. My sound system malfunctioned that day. And uh, I'm teasing because I didn't have a, there was 27 people on a deck. But uh, I was content. We were, oh, look there, hey. That was, how'd y'all find that so quick? And uh, there we are. There's the beginning of new hope. And, uh, but, you know, when you, when you look back over the years, I became content with what we've had. From there to Broad, to the Court Cultural Center, to 1157 Riverside Drive. But church, listen to me. If we really want to live a life that is meaningful and where we truly find contentment, a life that Solomon did not have despite having the abundant wealth and wisdom he had, the great start and the bright future, then we had better learn from Solomon and from the path he walked to avoid a meaningless, uncontented life. So how did Solomon go from such a great start and a bright future to experiencing this meaningless life. I think the first thing we need to see here today is that Solomon compromised his faith just a little. Solomon compromised his faith. And we see here in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 1, it says Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. Now this does not mean seem so bad, does it? But watch. It seems so minor, but this is a specific thing that God told the Israelites not to do, and especially the king. You were not supposed to do this. And I'll tell you why. It says here in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 16 and 17, he says, The king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again, neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly multiply silver or gold 
for himself. Solomon making an alliance, trusting an alliance, rather than trusting in the Lord and taking the foreign wife was exactly what the Lord did not want the king to do. And yet he did it. So let's apply this to our life. We think sometimes that things in the Bible says or seem so old-fashioned. Like, for example, you could not possibly mean that for me today. Don't have sex before marriage. But certainly, he doesn't mean we shouldn't. I mean, come on, if we love one another. How about this? Honor your father and your mother. What are you talking about? They don't even deserve my honor. How about this? One that should convict all of us. Turn the other cheek. Really? To somebody that will just continue to take advantage of me over and over again? Love your wife as Christ loved the church. Are you... My wife doesn't even deserve that kind of love. How about this? This is always the greatest. By the way, uh, Paul and Mylissa are getting married today. So congratulations to both of them this afternoon. (laughs) Hallelujah. And I want you both to know that I did not put this in your vows. Wives, submit to your husband. Submit. Submit. Mm-mm. What are you talking about, Willis? Not in this 21st century. I'm not submitting. Does God really mean for us today? Is all of this for us or is it just for then? I'm not sure if that is Solomon's thinking or not, but Solomon goes ahead and makes an alliance and marries a foreign wife. So he disobeys. Am I saying because of the single disobedience that Solomon lived a meaningless life no i'm not saying that and for each of us who have sinned we are not destined to a meaningless life due to a single sin and i need to i need to be clear about that but what typically happens when we compromise our faith or when we compromise it even just a little is that we end up compromising a lot and solomon solomon compromised his faith a lot. You know, I, I look at my own life and we have to be careful how we compromise our faith and how we stay focused. How many of you believe that Satan is always there to distract you? And the agenda in the world that's going on today is just hellacious. And yet Satan wants to distract us from staying focused on Christ and the kingdom. Everywhere we go, everywhere we go, we're reminded what we should bow the knee to as the world sees it. In 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, and then I'll go right into 6. But I will tell you this, I will bow the knee to my Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the risen King of kings and Lord of lords. It says we have to live in this world, but we don't have to be of this world. So we need to continue to pray Jesus over where we live And how we live our lives. In verse 11 it says this. But King Solomon loved many foreign women as well as the daughter of Pharaoh. Women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidians, and Hittites. From the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel. You shall not intermarry with them. Nor they with you. Surely surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. There it is again. Solomon clung to these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, 
and 300 concubines. And his wife turned away his heart. And then it says here in verse 6, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully and did not fully follow the Lord as did his father, David. Think about this. Isn't this profound? Solomon went from marrying a foreign wife to having 700 wives and 300 women on the side. Listen, can I just put an advertisement in there? I have had five women in my life. And now I have seven women in my life. That's, you know, I'm adding Elaine and Libby, my granddaughters. 700 and 300? I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I can't even imagine. But what I saw here is that Solomon didn't just take one, two, two hundred, three hundred. Solomon set out to take all of these women as wives. And I'm not sure it happened one little compromise at a time. And before you know it, we start to see that he's compromised a lot. But isn't that like us? We compromise just a little. And before long, Satan not has a toehold or a foothold, but he has a stronghold in our life. We have to be consecrated and separated and sanctified and set apart for Jesus. I like what C.S. Lewis in his classic book called The Screwtape Letters, and I don't know if you've ever heard of it or read it, which was written as a uh, satirical series of letters from a senior demon named Screwtape to his nephew named Wormwood, who is a junior tempter. Now watch. He writes to young protege saying, Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. The gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Isn't that interesting? Satan is not looking to get us to go from a nice upstanding citizen to a murderer overnight. No, that's not what he's doing. It tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, it says, And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. And he's looking for us to just compromise our faith. Not a lot, but just a little. Because those little compromises eventually turn into a lot of compromises. You aren't looking to cheat on your wife. It is just some innocent flirting until you have... To fight for her affection and her love. And once you do that, you stepped over the line. You speak to yourself and you want to wait to have sex until you are married, but you're in love and it will just be, it'll just be this one time. The problem is, and I've heard many couples say this to me until you break up. I'm just going to make one little compromise. It won't really be that bad, I promise you. And then before you know it, it isn't just a little compromise, but a lot. And you experience moments where things seem okay, but then a lack of hope, a lack of feeling valuable, and a lack of meaning 
All of this money, all of these relationships, all of this power, all of the activity and building it, Solomon says all of it was meaningless. Why? Because he wasn't content with the wealth God provided, so he sought to accumulate more and more and more. He wasn't content with the first wife or the next or the next. Or the next one. So he kept accumulating more wives and more relationships. He wasn't content with the things that he accomplished. So he sought to do what? To accomplish more. You see what happened was that Solomon left his first love. He left the Lord. And he left the Lord one small compromise at a time. And he never experienced contentment. Despite having all that anyone could ever want, he stopped pursuing relationship with the Lord. And he began pursuing the things he thought would make him happy. We've been there, haven't we? For many of you that have recovered through addiction... You've said, but the death and the agony of that pain and the loss and the mourning and the suffering, I had to turn this direction or turn that direction. You were trying to find hope and you were trying to find peace in either a drug or a bottle or other relationships when in reality that doesn't bring contentment. The only thing that brings us contentment is the Lord. I want to look again here at Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 4 through 11. I want you to notice who the focus is in Solomon's life telling of the things he did. Now, here's what he said, and I know we read this, but I want to say this again. Here's what he said. I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards, and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings and of the provinces. I acquired male and female singers the delights of the sons of men, and musical instruments of all kinds. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. It stayed with me, and yet it says in verse 10, But whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my reward from all my labor." It says, I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was my reward for all my labor. We see it again, don't we? High focus here, church, is on who? Himself and what he was doing. His focus is not at all on the Lord. Again, where your face is turned is where your focus goes. We are here today, church, because God provided He has used you as a congregation to move forth his church, to move forth his bride, to build the kingdom of heaven. Contentment and joy is not possible apart from the Lord. And our pursuit of him, doing otherwise, is that first small step of compromise of our faith. 
So on the other hand, listen to what Paul says about circumstances and finding contentment as I start to, to wind down the message today. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, it says this. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned that whatever state I am to be what? What's it say there? To be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And he concludes with, and I can do everything through him who gives me the strength. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. I can do everything through Jesus who gives me the strength. Amen? The secret of contentment is a constant and continual focus on who? On the Lord, not on ourselves. However, the apostles also experienced this in Acts chapter 5. And it says this in verses 40 through 42. And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, and they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple... And in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. The continual focus here, church, is what the Bible calls abiding. It says in the scriptures, abide in me and I in you. Abide in me and I in you in John chapter 15. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And as I close, we fall off the path that leads to fullness and meaningfulness when we aren't abiding closely with the Lord. And that leads us to take the small steps of what? Of compromise in our faith. And we miss out on the real meaning and value of life and even even those small moments of pleasure that the Lord gives us. So the fact of the matter is this, that none of us are abiding like we should And many of us, we could say in all of us, have compromised our faith to some degree. Is meaning in life hopeless now? No. Through the grace of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit, He has given us the ability to turn and to follow. And what did it say in John 15? To abide in Him. How can we do this? By receiving Christ as our Savior. By rededicating our life. See, Solomon thought, sought out the things and he pursued the things that he thought would bring them joy. That he thought would bring them meaning and contentment. But all he found out was that it was just meaningless. What does the enemy try to do to us? He tries to make us and he distracts us and he convinces us that it's always better over here. We start believing what the enemy has to say. I you to say, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. Even Jesus said it in the temple, I'm, I'm sorry, in the wilderness, when he said, get behind me, Satan, for thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and only him shalt thou serve. Stop believing the lies that the world wants to tell you. We're believing the ads from the Apple products that the newest technology is going to make our life better. We've got to get that latest and greatest iPhone, right? Are we believing 
the whispers of Satan that an affair with my coworker will make my life more enjoyable. Or if I just worked more and made more money, then my life would be better. Or if I just wasn't dying, then I could, then I could really live and I could thrive. Listen, church, and I'm going to say this as I close. We are all dying. Are we living to make this 0.001% of our life enjoyable? Or are we living for the 99.9% of our eternity? Then when we do, we get, we get there and we enjoy the fulfillment and joy of life now. Solomon had an abundance of all of them. And yet he found that it was meaningless. So start believing his word. Start believing his word. God knows what is best for us. He knows what's best for our marriage. He knows what's best for relationships. He knows what's best for us financially. And I'll say this, and I'm going to ask you, where are you putting your hope in today? What are you putting your hope in? If it is in Christ, then we can find joy and trust in him to provide just what we need. I want, to, I want to play this video, and I know it's just three minutes long, but I know there's always hardship, and I, I heard this video a while back, and it's with Jason Missy Robertson from Duck Dynasty. But here's somebody who has, they realize where they came from, what they once had, what they do have, and where Christ plays out in all. Listen closely. The reason I said fame and fortune was frivolous to me is because we were raised really poor. I mean, we, my brothers, we had one bed, one room, but nobody told us we were poor. And, I, and you know, I was just as happy. We were in the outdoors. Every day was an adventure to me. And uh, the reason is, is because we love, you know, who are we with? with our family, loved to, and that's really the reason we love to hunt. It's not so much about what we get to eat or, you know how many ducks we shoot it's about who we're with and so if you're happy in that situation and you realize what true happiness is which to me is god people and then whatever else number three with me it's ducks i realize you know what are you going to buy you can't buy that i was just as happy when we had nothing so and, and when, when we met when we were teenagers i noticed that about their family my parents my dad's a preacher and my mom was a school teacher at a Christian school, so we didn't have hardly anything either. And so what attracted us to each other was what we saw in each other in our faith. And we dated very young, got married very young, and um, that's basically been our own motto. We were, we've been very happy for 22 years before the money started coming in. So we have our core values as a family, and we've kept them, and that's the number, our number one priority is making sure that our kids know that. So they also will have the same values, no matter what circumstances come your way. If God is your solid foundation, good or bad, you're going to be happy. You're going to be joyous if you're in Him, yeah. and that's what we stand on. Well, to, just to prove her point that we it was a godly thing, you know, we were both, both virgins when we got married until our wedding night, and, uh, and we decided to do it God's way, and we basically had a godly agreement that we would help each other get to heaven. And so, I mean, a lot of people just think that that's unreasonable or preposterous. I'm like, no, God, God's way. Yeah, that's strange. I'm like, you know, if everybody, 
everybody chose to do it God's way, the world would be a lot better off. You think right. about all the guilt. And what an influence that we can have on our children because yeah. of that testimony. Our oldest son, Reed, has been dating a great girl for over a year and a half, and they also have the same commitment. So it's yeah. just such a, such a wonderful, joyous time for the parents to be able to see that and the commitment that they have as children and wanting to do that also. But it's a great testimony because we're like, look, we, we do this not because we're representing some organization. We do it because, because we trust in God and we believe His way is the better way in all things in life. So that's why when you ask me about the fame and fortune, I'm like, I'm going to use whatever God blesses me with as a platform to tell the world, look, God is for you. He proved it through sending Jesus down here to die for us and be resurrected. And for us, that gives us second chances, and it gives us hope. Yeah. And so we, we spread that message everywhere. We say, look, if God can use us, he can use anybody. So uh, that's our story, and we're sticking to it. <laughs> Amen. Amazing, isn't it? That gives you the perspective of being content and not content. As we rise to our feet, and we have this time of reflection and altar call, no matter your circumstances... You're going to be joyous if your foundation is on Christ. Where is your foundation? Have you received him? And if you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, would you accept him today? Understand that there's nothing greater than having a fuller, let me put, more full life. Or a fuller life with Christ being at the helm of your ship, being at the wheel of your car, driving your life. And I know what God has done and how He is blessed. And all I want to know from each and every one of you can you say, Yes, I am a follower of Jesus Christ? I am committed. I'm sold out and I'm separated. And I believe in his truths. And if you can say that, you too will truly have a full and meaningful life. Father, we thank you so much that where our face is turned is where our focus goes. Father, help us to keep our face focused on you. Lord, we understand that even in Solomon's life, Lord, we, we saw a man who said, I had all these things. But Lord, if we don't have a relationship with you, if we can't, have life with you, then our life is meaningless. It's empty. It's void. So God, I pray that today that we'll humble ourselves, that we'll seek your face and turn from our wicked ways. We'll hear from you, Lord. You'll heal us. You'll provide for us. And God, I hope that today our anthem, as Paul said, that we can say that we are content with such things that you've given to us. God, stir within our hearts today. And if there's someone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, may they come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Maybe someone in this room needs to rededicate their life. Maybe someone in this room needs to give back a portion of what they've been holding on to and say, here you go, God, I surrender it to you. God, continue to stir within our spirit so that we have God's stories that we can share. Help us to stand for righteousness, for right living, 
Help us to be great soldiers of the cross. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.